What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined as always by David Lake. David, how you doing? Doing okay. I think, uh, you know, we both survived Tropical Storm Etta. You definitely had to deal with more Etta issues than I did. But, uh, you know, hopefully that's it for hurricane season. It's <laughs> It's almost mid-November, and we're still de- still dealing with it, but hopefully it's behind us in 2020 here. Hey, global, global warming is not real, right? <laughs> uh, no, I got two 18-wheeler semis on my street right now pumping out water. So, uh, yeah, it is, uh, I'm definitely dealing with some, some ETA effects. What's funny is, like, I think I've been in Fort Lauderdale for four or five years now, and there's been storms. Um, that I feel like they've sounded the alarm for way more than others. And like this storm is the one that hardly anything was said and was probably the most serious. So I'm fortunate I got sandbags on Saturday morning. Yeah, no, you sent me pictures of what it was looking like. And uh, I would have been scared if that was my house, but sounds like everything was relatively okay. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's November. So hopefully that's it for this hurricane season. Yeah. One last thing. Tip of tip of advice for everyone. I, I had a real adult moment. Always keep your like your insurance stuff in in one place and know where it is. Because I was panicking at like 10, 10 p.m. trying to find my flood insurance, but I found it. I'm good. Um, but that is like my homeowner advice. Have everything in like one folder where you know exactly where it is. Good to go. Yeah, I leave that stuff. Uh, that the wife handles all that stuff. So <sighs> jealous. <laughs> Um, David, uh, Virginia Tech week for Miami, you know, we got real heavy into the Hurricanes and Derek King's performance in the recap podcast. Um, any, any more takeaways from what all happened in Raleigh before we kind of transition to um, the NC State week and, and talk a little recruiting? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's really nothing – drastic from from what I said from the instant reaction podcast um you know I do think obviously the corners need to play better right when they are in positions to make plays they need to make them sometimes um they didn't really make any plays against NC State and so that was the frustrating thing um you know those opportunities are called 50-50 balls for a reason and you would like to see the corners make 50% of those plays, right? And uh, so to me, that's where the improvement needs to happen. You know, they're not going to win every uh, one-on-one situation against power five wide receivers, um, but they need to win their share. And, you know, I think, again, I kind of said this after the game, but and and I understand the standard at Miami is high, high, high level cornerback play. And that standard doesn't need to go anywhere, right? But these players, unfortunately, aren't quite at that standard. They kind of are what they are. I think they are, you know, they're good enough to get the job done. But this is, honestly, this is who they were as high school recruits. And we're kind of seeing it at the college level too, right? I mean, they, they flashed abilities to make plays in high school, which um, would encourage you that, that they could make plays at the college level. But then there was also times where, you know, they would get beat pretty badly. So um, they, I guess my point is they kind of just are what they are and hopefully uh, they can clean up some of these things and hopefully the defensive line can continue to play well. You know, they definitely suffocated NC State in that fourth quarter. And you could argue, you know, De'Ara King, of course, got a bunch of the headlines, a bunch of the praise for his play in the fourth quarter, but the D-line played just as much of a role in that victory in the fourth quarter as De'Ara King. So uh, Miami's going to need that D-line to keep stepping up and Miami's going to need the corners to tighten up and make more plays when they come their way. Again, it's unfair to, to expect them to make every play, but they need to, they need to make their share of plays. 
It's like that uh that one clip. They are who we thought they are. You know what I'm talking about? Right. And like yeah, like that, that green. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean, well, do you cool. disagree with that? Like, I mean, you know, they they do have talent. They do have they bring something to the table, but they were kind of inconsistent in high school too. And so those, you know, that's kind of showed up here at the college level as well. Well, I think when you talk about Al Blades and DJ Ivy looking back on their high school careers, you thought they had the tools or the frames and the potential to be something, but you just knew it was going to take some coaching, some developing, some maturing for them to um, be what you thought they could be. Uh, and, yeah, you know, there's still time, but I don't honestly, really... honestly, too, they've, they've played decent games this year, right? Like, I don't think they've been bad all year. I don't think that's fair to say. There's been some games where each one of those guys has played well. So they got to get back to playing like that, um, you know, because there's also been games where they haven't played well, NC State being one of them. So they need to get back to, to being effective. And, uh, you know, as we hit this home stretch of the season – that's going to be a uh, significant storyline here in these final four games. Well, um, before, I mean, corner, we could probably talk about corner this whole, this whole podcast. We are going to get into the recruiting, big recruiting development there. But first, uh, to Corey Couch, I know our, our colleague Chris Stock wrote about it, um, could see an increased role. I think he played, what, the most snaps he has played all season against NC State. Now that might be more of a product of what looks NC State was giving, but do you want more couch or, or what? I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess rotating him in more is fair to do, but I don't think we're going to necessarily see him starting over Al Blades and DJ Ivy. I think, you know, to Corey, he, he primarily plays the nickel or the slot, right? And they rotate him in as an outside guy every now and then. I think we're going to just keep seeing that. Um, you know, I do think he is their best man coverage corner. Uh, but, you know, there are some things that he doesn't do as well as Al Blades and DJ Ivy, uh, such as, you know, getting off blocks and that those guys are bigger, longer guys. They're supposed to be able to get off blocks better and help support the run. And I'm not saying to necessarily bad at that. He does pretty well considering his size at doing right. that. Um, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't consider it a strength. Right. So, you know, yeah. Should his snap count uh, continue to rise a little bit? Yes. But do I necessarily think he's the answer where you start you know, you start him over the other two guys. I would probably push back on that notion a little bit, but, you know, give him more snaps, see how it goes. And if he keeps playing at a high level, then maybe he does overtake those guys as starters. Hmm. Um, well, I teased the recruiting development. Tim Burns, the Miami Northwestern three-star cornerback, he decommits from Miami on Monday night. Um, puts out a message saying that he's entering the recruiting portal, which was a new term for me, but uh, <laughs> I understood what he meant. Um, opening things back up. This on the surface looks really bad uh, because yeah. Miami has five scholarship corners right now. Um, the three we were just talking about, Al Blades, DJ Ivy, uh, to Corey Couch. Then you got two freshmen, Isaiah Dunson, who we've seen a little and Marcus Clark, who we haven't really seen at all. And we never really expected to see Marcus Clark. I mean, he was primarily right. an offensive guy in high school. You knew it was going to take some time. I mean, heck, when I was at his school, uh, you know, when his DB coach is telling me, was telling me that he's, he thinks he's Marcus is an offensive guy, like that was alarming to me. But Miami thinks he's a corner. Um, so they are, they're going to work him along there. Like I, we, ne we didn't expect him to contribute right away. But bottom line, Miami only has five scholarship corners right now, and they have no one committed in the class of 2021. And the early signing period is about five weeks away. Now, Malik Curtis, uh, three-star athlete out of Fort Myers, Bishop Barrow, he is committed. Um, he could play corner, but as I reported 
a month or yeah. two ago, it sounds like they're leaning towards him playing offense, which we kind of agree with because that's what he's like, really good at. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what he's good at. So Miami has no corners committed right now. Um, David, are you ready to panic? Like, are you freaking out that Tim Burns yeah. isn't committed? And I can get more into kind of some backstory, but what are your just general thoughts and when you saw that come right. across your newsfeed? It is, it is, it's not good, right? Um, we are dedicated to getting in the weeds, right? Of roster management and, you know, what the future of the team looks like as well as the present, right? And we just talked about what the present issues at the cornerback position are. Um, there are definitely things that need to be cleaned up. And the future is, is kind of a question mark, right? I mean, I think it's fair to say Marcus Clark and Isaiah Dunson are intriguing players. But to me, they are developmental guys. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think you need to take developmental guys. Um, but are they, are they guys that are going to push those top three for snaps in 2021? I would say no. And honestly, I don't think Tim Burns was that kind of guy either. I no. think Tim Burns was another developmental type. But still, you, you highlighted how they also just need bodies at that position. Um, so, you know, only five guys there on the team now and to have zero guys committed there. Yes, that, that is alarming. And we are about a month away from the early signing period. Um, but yeah, let's get into the details on what happened with Tim Burns. Tell us what you're hearing about how this all came about. Well, I mean, if you're on our site or you're on social media, you've seen, uh, Tim Burns' mom has has put out a message, um, kind of giving her side of the story. Uh, look, um, Miami when they took Tim Burns was after Paradise Camp in, in June of 2019. So he committed at Miami Nights in July of 2019. Um, I think it's funny because you know there's a lot of people thinking that what Miami did is wrong. You know, I it kind of what, what basically happened is Miami. Um, what I would call maybe parted parted ways, uh, told Tim maybe you should look at some other schools. And, and why did they do that? I mean, uh, Tim isn't the biggest corner. Um, you know, he's listed at 5'10", 145 pounds. I think 5'10 is pretty generous. Um, so he's on the smaller side. And, and Miami kind of always thought he had a chance to get bigger, but that never really happened. And um, I, I think the people inside Miami's football offices always really liked the competitive nature and everything about Tim Burns. But got to remember 2020 is a, a weird year. Um, you know, numbers are extremely tight. Um, and I, I, we always talk about it and you know, your number one roster management podcast right here. Like you can't afford to miss and, and you got to put guys in your roster that you think can help you beat, eventually Clemson or or whoever in that ACC title game and uh, me and you've also mentioned multiple times difficult decisions are gonna have to be made at some point I think this is kind of one of those decisions now you know I, I think Tim is a good player I, I think he he will probably end yeah. up somewhere um, I, I, I think Miami maybe wishes it would work but I kind of get it when you take a step back and, and just look at big picture um, and I think this was calculated. Everything's calculated. You know, Miami isn't just going to do something without feeling it out, how that's going to affect their relationship at Miami Northwestern, how it's going to affect things with uh, the trio of kids you also have committed from Miami Northwestern and Romello Brinson, uh, Cam Kitchens, and Khalil Brantley. Like, I don't think they, they would have done something bad um, without really thinking about it. Because I know in the past there's been similar situations and – you know, Miami's almost bitten a bullet sometimes. So um, it sucks. Uh, I understand why the two parties are going different ways. And look, man, I, I wish the best for Tim Burns. Yeah, so it, it mainly sounds like it's it's more of a fit issue, right? Like, I think you and I both agree he's going to be a nickel or slot corner wherever he ends up, right? Right, um, yes. And so the question becomes, does Miami need right now another one of those guys? And I think you could say, or you could make an argument that the 
the way that they use the striker position makes it so that maybe you don't need as many straight up nickel corners on your roster as as you would have needed i don't know five years ago right um now you're going to need nickel corners i just don't know if you need to take nickel corners every cycle or maybe even every two cycles um do you think that's fair to say or am am i reaching with that take Uh, i I don't know i mean i think the other issue is is if you you know, Miami wants to take another corner, right? So can you take another corner? Um, and there's not like a ton of big corners out there. Like you can't take two small corners. Uh, you can't take Tim Burns and another small guy. Now with Burns out of the picture, maybe you take a, a small guy who you think is potentially a little bit, maybe a little bit bigger, a little more talented than Tim Burns. And that allows you um, to go get another guy. So yeah, no, you're right. I mean, um, the striker position, you know, I think as, as that is just becoming more and more of a utility type of guy, catch all spot on the defense, and you see more of it. I mean, didn't Takori Couch like get some snaps at that position at one point? Yeah, I mean they they certainly bring him in on you know third down, right? And so uh, they they go to like a nickel look on those third down passing situations. But outside of those situations, are they really using a nickel corner? Um, so I think. But but but, but and, you do you do need that nickel corner when you face like a, a North Carolina. Um, yeah, I mean, you in, in some spots you do need those guys. But even against North Carolina, like on first and second downs, I think we're going to see more striker than nickel corner. That's kind of what I'm expecting, to be honest. And I think yeah. we're seeing, you know, Miami's loading up on on safeties. Um, and maybe this is, maybe the two things kind of go hand in hand, right? More safeties, less straight up nickel corners. Um, I don't know. I just think it's something interest, an interesting talking point. And we'll find out more and more, I think about this roster construction moving forward. Um, but again, you said it like, I don't think necessarily Tim Burns is a, is a bad player either. Um, but you know. Is he a guy that maybe could have been could be upgraded? We'll see. That's the big question now. Miami certainly thinks so. Um, so who would be who would be the guys to know um, at the corner position? Well, okay. Let me ask you this first. There's all this chatter out there about a silent commit, right? Miami already has a silent commit at corner. Um, what's your take on that? I mean, is, where is that chatter? I haven't really seen that. <laughs> it's on. Uh, I've seen it on social media. Um, you know. Yeah. Well, those are the same people that were saying that you know the week of Amari Daniels was committing to Miami, and he ended up picking Texas A and M. Um, look, uh, as weird as this sounds, like the general just kind of feeling I get when I with the people I talk with, like is so much focus right now is on the actual season. Um, like as weird as that sound, you know, and is that alarming? I, I don't know. Like I, I think they're just so zeroed into fixing what went wrong on Friday night, getting ready for Virginia Tech, that it's almost as if Miami's like, all right, we're just going to win games and we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out at the end. you got to remember, I mean, a bulk of the recruiting class is in place uh, as it stands. So do I think there is a, silently committed corner um i'm gonna i'm gonna i I would put the chances of that pretty low i mean people i talk with would have to be keeping things absolutely under wraps which has happened in the past but um i just i i don't get that vibe right now um now i I do think a guy like markevious brown has said some of some right things about miami and um you know kind of indicated that he he might be feeling Miami but at the same time Marquevious Brown has yet to name a commitment date um, pretty much every time someone interviews him he's saying it soon uh, and it doesn't seem like anyone can really trust what he says so um, that's just kind of where I stand like I, I think maybe there's some corners out there that if Miami turned up the heat and went after they could get them but right now I mean I don't know if anyone is silent 
and and really what does a silent commitment mean these days so okay you you broke it down in a vip article right on our website but let's just talk let's talk three names to know right you you list more than three names in the article but you touched on Markevius Brown, right? He's an IMG player. I think he's a borderline four-star guy, right? Um, and he's looking at Miami and Virginia Tech. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think like Auburn's also in there. Uh, Ole Miss. Okay. Um, you know, I've always felt like he's holding out for some bigger offer. And Gabby okay. Arudia, our, our colleague, you know, he went and interviewed uh, Markevius two weeks ago, I want to say Halloween weekend. And he kind of texted me the same thing right, right word afterwards. So do you think a bigger offer is going to come for him? No. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> he's, he's a guy to know. Give me the two other names that, that you're kind of monitoring right now at corner. Okay. Um, I'll give you three. All right. So I think priority number one guy that sits atop the board guy whose name came up a bunch on Monday night, uh, Terry and Arnold. He's a, a top 24-7 defensive back out of the Tallahassee area. We have him ranked as a safety. You know, I've been kind of saying since March, and I think, yeah. David, you were there in, in Orlando with me. Maybe that was February. I don't know. It, Feb, it was probably yeah, February. February, yeah. Um, that we thought, like, Terry and Arnold was athletic enough to play corner. Well, people in, in Coral Gables agree with me. Like, they are a guy they are, ta- they are talking with, an elite talent. Uh, the issue is – the pulse of the recruitment and, and the intel seems to suggest that Florida, Georgia, and some other SEC schools are out in front. So he's like the the dream. Um, right. And then some, some other guys behind him who I think could become options. And there's kind of a theme with these two. The first one would be Jaden McBurrows. He is a local corner out of St. Thomas Aquinas. I think he started his career off at U school. I could be wrong on that. Maybe, I don't know. He started off at American Heritage, excuse me. Uh, on the smaller side, 5'9", 185, 1101 and 100-meter dash. He's been real good for the Raiders through the first, uh, I think they played three or four games. Reminds me in some ways of Trajan Bandy. Uh, I know I've kind of said the same about Tim Burns in the past. That's just because of how small, how they're on the smaller side. I think McBurrows is more comparable to Bandy just because uh, he's a little bit more Thick. physical. Yeah, he's thicker and he has like more of a knack for making plays like Bandy did. So he's one. I mean, remember Michigan? What are they? Are they one and two? Or are they? Yeah, they're one and two right now. A lot of chatter that Don Brown could potentially be out. So who knows? You know, I think. From what I understand, McBurrows will get his first look at Ann Arbor this weekend. Uh, he's going to go up there to, what do they call it, the A2, um, and hang out with some other commits. Remember, we're in, a, we're in a dead period, so he's paying his own way. Can't meet face-to-face with any of the coaches. Do not know what the forecast in Ann Arbor is this weekend, but could be cold. Um, and then another <laughs> guy uh, is Demarius McGee, who is a corner out of Pensacola Catholic. I don't know if we've ever talked about him on this podcast before, yeah. but Top 24-7 kid, um, someone with a 4-5 to his name in the 40-yard dash, plays a lot of offense, cornerback. Uh, He's committed to Tennessee. Tennessee's lost four straight. Um, I think some of those commits could be fair game for flips. Um, So I think Miami will will keep maybe trying to see and engage where they are with there. So those are those two. Um, And – Steve Wiltfong, you know, the colleague at, at 24-7 Sports, he, he pointed out on what his whip, Wiltfong whip around uh, last week that on-field results could matter more than ever uh, with the 2020 cycle just because that's really it. I mean, there's no official visits. So, I mean, Miami's winning games. You know, if the staff was smart, you know, if I was them, I'd turn around and I'd find guys that are losing games and I would go after those kids. So, We'll see. Right. I mean, those are really three names. I could keep going in, uh, you know, forever on this, but I, I would definitely read that story on the site if, if you haven't. Um, it seems like, so McGee, who is the Tennessee commit, like profile-wise in terms of what Manny Diaz and Mike Rumpf want in a corner, he kind of fits that profile, right? In terms of his length, in terms of playing offense, uh, in terms of confirmed speed. 
he would fit the profile of what Miami desires at corner, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and, you know, the more and more I get into the scouting side of this stuff, he, he fits the profile of the guys that make the league these days. Uh, high school quarterback, good with the ball in his hands, good good speed times, over 5'11". So, yeah, but, yes, Rumpf likes those guys um, that play. Or, I mean, he says he likes the guys that play on offense in high school, yet – his two starting, actually his top three corners, I don't recall playing any offense in, in high school, but that is something that they say they look for on the trail. Okay, so if you were going, it sounds like, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but Terry and Arnold is, would be the number one guy, right? The dream guy, if they could get Terry and Arnold, that would be awesome, correct? I think it's, it's Terry. I mean, I would probably put Jason Marshall ahead okay, of him, um, but I don't. You know, I, I, I think that ship has sailed. Jason Marshall Although, is the five-star corner at Miami Palmetto that is committed to Florida. So he's... All, although he is, you know, I, I've talked to him. Gabby Rudy has talked to him. And, you know, I, I don't even ask about Miami when I was at, I asked. I'm like, any other school is still talking to him? And he's like, oh, you know, I text here and there with Miami. So Miami seems to be the only school that is still um, keeping around. in contact. Yeah, like not even Alabama. And then if you were going to handicap, like if you're going to give a guy the best odds, you know, the best odds that this is the corner Miami adds to this class, it would be who? Oof. Like, you know, like when, <laughs> when an initial future comes out um, and like everything, there's like, there's no clear cut favorite. It's like, everything's like plus 200. Uh, that's kind of where I'd be right now. I, I would guess. Like if I had, if I gun to my head, who's in the class, how to make a mock class, I'd probably put Marquevious Brown in there, but okay. um, that's and where I'm at right now. How many high school corners do you, or how many corners are going to be in this class? If you were to guess. Pure corners. Yeah. I think maybe one. I think they would want two, but if, if they could get a transfer. Um, yeah. I was going to ask, do you expect them to hammer the portal uh, at corner? I think you got to. Yeah. Um, and like, I it, come on, guys. It can't be hard, that hard to tell a kid that they have a chance to beat out Ivy or Blades. I mean, did we talk about this on the last podcast or does this mean you text Devod Wilson? Did we bring him up or no? No, I think that was just a text. But yeah, I mean, if if you remember, I think it was during fall camp, right? Uh, Georgia, former Georgia corner. Devod Wilson hit the portal. Uh, Miami kind of kicked the tires on it, but decided to pass, really. And, and he ended up at UCF, correct, Andrew? Yeah, that's because Devod wanted to be guaranteed he'd play right away. And, and you looked it up. I mean, he's only played 18 snaps this season for uh, right. UCF. Right. And I think that was so, because like all those guys got arrested or whatever. Like they didn't travel that weekend. So. I do think there are going to be, you know, players at every position just hitting the portal. Like I am honestly expecting portal chaos this off season. Um, so if I'm Miami, I would take one high school guy and I would, I would give me some room to work with in the portal as well. The key then will be, like you said, convincing guys like, yeah, they're re Miami's returning their top three guys at, at corner you got to convince these portal guys that they legitimately have a shot to come in and, and contribute. So well, I have a, I, I have a theory of how you could do that, but I'm not, I'm not ready to, to, to put it out there. So, okay. Anything else at corner? No, let's, okay. let's talk one more, one more thing before we switch to Virginia tech. I was at, um, saw Miami Northwestern play this past Thursday against Miami Palmetto tweeted out a bunch of videos from the game um dimensions were at next level uh this time around um but basically i was pointing out that it was a thursday night and i had the chance to see jason marshall who i know you know is he a five star is he not i, I don't care what you guys think like he's he's really talented he's a he's a very good corner oh, yeah. uh going up against romello brinson um they battled it out all night and, and then you also had brashard smith playing leonard taylor playing so a ton of ballers. Um, yeah. And I, and I wrote after the game, 
you know, Jason Marshall, I, there was a three-play sequence where he broke up three passes in a row. And I know Romello Brinson was open. If he had a competent quarterback, you know, they would have been touchdowns. Yes, sure. Um, but Jason Marshall broke up three passes in a row, which is something I've never seen before. Three straight plays, uh, an elite corner breaks up three in a row. That's that's a pretty um, elite thing to do. Yeah. Uh, but to me, I, I came out of that game and I'm like, man, Romello Brinson is pretty good. Uh, and I wrote, you know, back-to-back weeks, Romello went up against Jason Marshall. And the week before that, they were at IMG. He went up against Dalen Everett, who uh, is like a borderline five-star in the class of 2022. So those were the two that were primarily matched up with Romello. You know, not every snap they're running side-by-side side for him. You know, your, your coverage kind of changes. But in those two games, Romello caught about 12 passes for 150 yards. Um, and I think that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, it definitely seems like he has the potential to be a number one receiver at the college level, right? Which Miami needs. Um, let me ask you this. In that game, which, you know, is another game that's loaded with, you know, what, 15 uh, power five level recruits. Who was, in your opinion, the best player on the field in that game? Leonard Taylor. <laughs> okay. Dude, he's so good. He is um he's good. Reminded me of uh what I saw from Jalen Carter last year. Uh so Jalen Carter is a five-star defense alignment in the class of 2022. Um out of the Apopka or out of Apopka, same school as Warren Sapp, signed with Georgia. I think he's played, he, he's playing with Georgia now. I mean, they've been raving about him at, in camp, and Georgia's obviously got a good defense. Uh, and, and, you know, he worked his way into the rotation, but I saw Jalen Carter just kind of have his way with Booker T Washington, um, last year in the preseason and, and Leonard Taylor, man, I, I, I think honestly, um, it was better. Um, Leonard just kind of dictates yeah. what other teams can do. Uh, his, he's so explosive. He's got the pass rushing moves. Um, yeah. he's, he's really, really, really good. He's the best. He's the best D line recruit you've seen in South Florida so far. Like, you've been here what for three or four cycles now? Yeah, and I was. Say? I might yeah, put you I, on the spot. No, and I was around here before that. I mean, I don't. I never recall seeing like the Bosa brothers, because um, I, you know, I I was at FAU and I worked for the Sun Sentinel, then I left um, and went elsewhere. So there was a there was a window, which is when I think the Bosas came through. I would say like probably the best since Brian Burns. Um, and I know that he's an end like Brian Burns was like freaky in high school. Um, yeah. But Leonard, yeah, dude, Leonard is so good. Do you like, how does he compare? Not at the same stage, but I guess just like right now, like how's he compared to Jared Harrison hunt? Mm, I think Jared's a little bit longer, but I could be wrong. Um, you know, dude, the thought of those two, you could potentially get one season out of them is is pretty promising. Uh, but they move similar. Like, I think yeah. Gerald Willis would be, like, the comp, but he's so much more athletic. Um, but it's just in terms of how disruptive Willis was uh, and how he could take on a double team and, and leverage and bend and, and, and use his arms to get up in there. Like, I think uh, once Miami F- – fan sealing or Taylor in a green or orange top. Like it's going to be pretty, pretty similar, just kind of like their movement patterns. But like I said, I think Leonard Taylor is way better of an athlete than Willis. And this is rare, right? And maybe it is unfair to expect this, but do you think Leonard Taylor as a true freshman in 2021 can be like a 15 to 20 snap a game guy? Yes. Okay. Um, Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, I agree with everything you've said. I, he's one of the best defensive linemen I've seen uh, since doing this. So he's a complete stud and it's a big deal that Miami's getting him. Yeah. Well, let's take a, let's take a break. That's enough recruiting, enough corner talk. Uh, let's get into Virginia Tech on the <laughs> other side. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, David, um, Miami, got to play a noon game. Is this the second noon game of the season? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, second nooner. I want to. I forget who it was. Maybe it was a home game. I think the other noon game, Pittsburgh. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, Pittsburgh at home. So, yeah, get a noon slate. Um, you know, those noon games have sleepy potential. So it'll be interesting to see how Miami handles that that challenge of playing at noon. Yeah. So Miami is on the road at Virginia Tech. Game is still scheduled. Have to throw that out there because. Uh, since we've hit record on this podcast, yeah. Alabama LSU has been postponed. Uh, Tennessee, Texas A&M has been postponed. Uh, and like Navy Memphis has been postponed. Um, wild times. Uh, Miami, two and a half point underdog to Virginia Tech. I think that's close to what I, what I said. Maybe Did I have Miami favored when we tried to do the guess? You had Miami favored. I had Virginia Tech favored. Okay. Well, you're a better odds maker than me. Uh, what do you think about that line? Honestly, I, I understand it. Um, I think, you know, on the surface, you, you look at a top 10 team against an unranked team and would scratch your head when you look at that line. Uh, but honestly, like, I think the teams are relatively even. Um, you know, I, I think, look, Miami's won games. They deserve to be in the top 10, in my opinion. But do they pass the eye test of being a top 10 team? I personally am not so sure about that. To me, they look like a, a top 20 team, uh, top 15 team maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I think if you really break things down and look at it objectively, I think this is a team with a top 10 quarterback and a top 10 defensive line. And then the rest of the team is maybe, you know, top 25, top 30-ish. And I think when you look at Virginia Tech, they have an elite rushing attack. Uh, It is a top five rushing attack. And statistically, it's the best power five rushing attack in the country right now. And, uh, you know, so they have an elite running back. They have an elite offensive line. And their quarterback is a very frustrating dual threat quarterback to try and defend. Um, So, you know, I I think the line does make sense. Like if I was betting, I would probably bet Miami to be honest. Um, But I'm not like super surprised that Virginia tech is a narrow favorite to open things up. Um, Is Khalil Herbert, gonna play what's the status on that as of yeah i don't think we'll know until kickoff to be honest like justin fuente the virginia tech coach wants nothing to do with talking injuries in general um and and honestly like virginia tech is quite banged up uh at other spots too Their, their middle linebacker got banged up uh so He's not touching any of those questions leading up to the game. I would, I would assume Khalil Herbert, honestly, I, I would expect him to play. He's a guy that's from South Florida, right? So he, he played at American Heritage. And you would, you, would, you would think this is a game that he definitely wants to play, right? The hometown team, he's going to want to show them uh, that they missed on him. And so I, I would expect him to play, but again, you don't know. Um, so I guess it, to me, it kind of reminds me of 
the situation with Virginia and Brennan Armstrong, uh, the quarterback who was, you know, coming out of concussion protocol. He eventually got cleared late in that week and he was good to go. Uh, Basically what Khalil Herbert is dealing with is a hamstring injury. He tried to give it a go early in the Liberty game over the weekend. I think he was on the, the kickoff return team. And during that one, one play, that one situation, I guess he, he tweaked it again and they, they pulled him for the rest of the game. So if he doesn't play, it is a significant blow to Virginia tech because uh, statistically he is the second best running back in the ACC in terms of pure production. He's run for over 800 yards this year. He's, you know, got a very impressive uh, blend of power and balance. And honestly, he is what him and Hendon Hooker, the quarterback are what have made Virginia tech go this season on offense. And so if he can't go, it definitely hurts Virginia Tech's chances to win. I pulled up Khalil Herbert's bio because, number one, he's from American Heritage. Uh-huh. Uh, on the bio, it's sure to point out that he played for Mike Rump at American Heritage. Um, I actually remember him as a recruit, and I wanted to know because I'm, I'm pretty—I was pretty sure he was related to Kyleon Herbert, the mm-hmm. offensive lineman from Miami that opted out. Thought yeah. they were brothers, but apparently not. Maybe they're cousins. Um, okay. Yeah, but it seems like every time we're in these, you know, we being like watching these these games or where there's some South Florida kid gonna play against Miami that was overlooked, like those kids always go off. Um, you know, two two yeah. Atwell with Louisville. I, I, do you think that chip on the shoulder is a real thing? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, a motivated star player is a scary thing. So Khalil Herbert is a star player this year. We should mention too, he he is a transfer to Virginia Tech. So this is why you're just now hearing about him uh, from a Miami perspective this season. He's an older guy. I think he's a senior. He, he, he originally, yeah, he, he started his career at Kansas. So he's, yeah. he's been an impact transfer for Virginia Tech and taken their rushing attack to the next level. But yes, he's, if he plays, he's going to be motivated uh, you know, to run it up on Miami. I mean, uh, he's, he's a potential target for me in my uh, dynasty, uh, fantasy football dynasty, like late round back yeah. type, of, type of pick. Uh, Hinton Hooker. Look, this guy last year against Miami um, was pretty dang good. Caused some headaches for the Hurricanes. Uh-huh. What kind of – how does Miami stop him? Have they seen anyone like him this season? Uh, and what what's the key here? Not play Zach McLeod or <laughs> – Your annual sh- – or your weekly shot at Zach McLeod. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I will say this. Like last year, you mentioned it. Like he gave Miami headaches. Going into last year's game, it was somewhat up in the air, if you remember, whether or not they would give Hendon Hooker the start. Uh, I believe the Miami game was his first start, and it kind of took a half for Miami to get settled in and, you know, somewhat contain him. He gives you headaches. He, he's in that mold of like a six, he's 6'4", 225, long strider. He runs behind his pads, so he's kind of a powerful runner, always falling forward and picking up, you know, two extra yards when he's a runner. Um, so in that regard, he's a guy that keeps the offense ahead of the chains. And when you talk about Virginia Tech's offense, it is annoying to defend because they're always ahead of the chains for that or chains for that reason. So they're they're always facing second and six and then third and two and they convert the third down um so they are one of the more efficient offenses in the country this year which makes sense because they run the ball so well typically that's what happens that's how that goes now the key is to get them behind the chains get them in third and long situations because Hendon hooker he has improved as a passer and and he's not necessarily a bad passer but it's not necessarily his strength. It's not 
quite what he does well. He will miss some throws. Um, now, I'm not saying he's a bad thrower by any means. And if guys are, you know, wide open on crossing routes, like we kind of saw at times against NC State, he certainly is good enough to hit those wide open guys like any Power 5 quarterback is. Um, but the thing that really Miami's going to need to contain with him is the run game. He's run for over 100 yards, I think, in two or three games this year. He started the season, I believe, in COVID protocol. So he's only been the starter for maybe three or four games this year. And, you know, he's just a handful because of his dual threat ability. I would, you know, honestly, the key is forcing field goals, especially when Virginia Tech gets in the red zone. Uh, because he is the type of quarterback that defenses have to account for in the red zone because he can run at any time and score a touchdown. So if my if Virginia Tech gets into the red zone and Miami forces a field goal, that is a huge, significant win against this offense. And, uh, you know, just be ready, Miami fans, because he is going to frustrate you, uh, you know, watching him, uh, you know, pick, 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 pick at this defense with the way he picks up three yards, four yards, five yards at a time as a runner. Um, he's going to do that. And, you know, Miami's defense too is going to have to have a next play mentality because like I'm, like I'm alluding to, he is frustrating to defend. Um, forgot to bring up, it's been, what are we, like 40 minutes into this podcast. I handed out that Liberty money line pick, uh, in our instant recap yeah. podcast. Yeah. That hit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just, and I didn't even bet it myself. I was sitting around, um, on Saturday. I'm like, well, that was dumb. Uh, I was actually, I will say Br- this, that Liberty game, right? I mean, if you didn't, if you didn't watch it, uh, Virginia tech coach, Justin Fuente bungled that at the end of the game. Uh, he called a timeout uh, just as a field goal was getting kicked by Liberty to win the game at the buzzer. Virginia Tech blocked that field goal, returned it for a game-winning touchdown. Uh, so that play did not count. So they lined it back up again. Virginia Tech nailed the field goal. Uh, Justin Fuente took a loss. So I will say this, like, there's definitely negative feelings around the Virginia Tech fan base and around that program after that game. I think there's a lot of frustration with Justin Fuente. And so it will be interesting to see, you know, how does the team, that team respond to that negativity, you know, losing a game where essentially your head coach lost the game for you. Um, you know, do the players come out and fight for Justin Fuente? Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how that is handled. But I will also say this. It was a similar situation last year, right? So when Virginia Tech took on Miami last year, Virginia Tech got drilled at home by Duke. Um, It was a game where Virginia Tech lost by a point margin of 30 or 40 points. They looked awful. And Hendon Hooker, you know, like I said, I think, that was his first start against Miami and they came out and uh, you know, owned the game from the start. Miami kind of made a comeback in the fourth quarter, but Hendon hooker led them on a game winning touchdown drive. Now that, that Virginia tech game, you know, Miami got themselves in a big hole because of what three early picks by Jaron Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Caleb Farley had one or two picks in that game who is, an NFL corner uh, or going to be in the NFL draft. He opted out of the season this game. So Miami doesn't have to deal with him anymore. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is it's bad vibes again around this Virginia tech team going into this Miami game last year, the Virginia tech team definitely responded. It'll be interesting to see how that goes this year. What I was saying, I was at breakfast and where my girlfriend wanted to go. I had zero service and i'm sitting there it's like 11 40 and i'm like oh my god i can't get this Ugh. this liberty bet in uh didn't didn't get it in in time as it took forever to get the check uh just glancing at the box score because i didn't get to see really any of it i do think it's notable malik willis liberty's yeah. quarterback threw for 217 ran for 108 um yeah and you know malik 
if you guys have seen him at any point this season, is kind of similar to De'Eric King. So are we expecting another big day for uh, Mr. King? Uh, Malik Willis, the Liberty quarterback, definitely had success running the zone read and, you know, scrambling as well. So in general, Virginia Tech's defense has not been good this year. Um, They're not that typical Virginia Tech salty defense uh, that we know year in, year out. Um, They've been a little soft against the run. So again, you know, we kind of been preaching this like we preached it against NC State. This is another opportunity to get the run game going with the backs. Uh, The backs didn't really get it going too much against NC State. Uh, Derek King kind of shouldered the load in the run game against the Wolfpack. He might have to do that again against Virginia Tech, but, you know, I think the backs could have a good day against Virginia Tech. They're they're not the biggest group on the defensive line, so there is the potential to get some push up front with Miami's offensive line. And then the linebacker level of Virginia Tech's defense has not been very good at tackling, to be honest. So um, we'll see. I mean, like I said, this Virginia Tech defense has not been good. Um, but Virginia Tech typically uh, plays one of their better games against Miami. So I would expect that to be the case again this week. Hmm. Anything else? No, I think that's it for now. We can get more into things uh, you know, during the preview, the official preview podcast for the game. Um, but yeah, it is an interesting game. Um, you know, it's a noon game, but I think Miami should – you know, try and manufacture some motivation to, uh, uh, you know, in terms of being an underdog when you're a top 10 team going into this game. So hopefully that is the case. Yeah, I'm a, I'm ready. It's a big sports weekend, man. Well, I guess not now since we're seeing all these SEC games get canceled, but you got the Masters um, yeah. Thursday through Sunday, NFL games, you know, that doesn't go away. So I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, you know, sports writers always love those noon games. Uh, so I'm here for it. Well, hold, it's not like you're Yeah, it's not like you're going to be able to watch Alabama LSU now, so I hate to break it. That's to true. You. That's true. I'll watch something though. I'll watch Florida State. That's always fun. Yeah, who do they play? What time is that at? They play NC State, so it could be the Bailey Hawkman revenge game. I don't know the time, but hopefully it's not a noon game. All right. Well, that will do it, guys. Um, be sure to stay locked into the site, insidetheu.com. Subscribe, give us a like, rate, review, do all that fun stuff, uh, and we appreciate it. Take, take care, guys.